You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. The topic we are going to close with tonight is uh, the state of Israel. Uh, the title is Israel Dreaming of Deliverance, um, which is a provocative title, and I'll tell you why in, in a little bit. But first, I wrote three terms, three concepts on the board, and I want to just invite a conversation for a few moments um, about what you see as the relationship between those concepts. Okay, so we have three different things. Uh, Am Yisrael, which means the people of Israel. Eretz Yisrael, which means the land of Israel. And Medinat Yisrael, which means the state of Israel. So what do you see as the relationship between those three terms, between those three concepts? Anybody want to refine, challenge, agree? Some probably will be While we're all on Israel, so the, those who are in the land are in a different position, but you can be on the land and not in control of it, like before 48. And I think that's that's the big thing about not Israel having the government. It, I don't know if I'm going to say Israel was supposed to be here. You get me in trouble. Say that again? I don't know if I want to use the verb is or was supposed to be here because either one is going to get me in trouble when I have to finish the sentence. Okay. Um, it either is or was supposed to be or something else <laughs> that that land was the chance to realize the life and values of Torah and that it was the mechanism for putting the people in the land and creating something. It was a creative tool. Hmm. But it hasn't always worked that way practically. Which is why I don't know if I want to do it in past tense or possible tense, but I think I feel a little bit of both. And I think a lot of those feelings about being on Israel but outside of Israel really triggered when um, Netanyahu said he spoke for all of us. And while there are many things he does that I can appreciate, I certainly don't feel like he nor the chief rabbi of Israel is my voice for having to live in this land. It is different there. And he certainly speaks for Medinat Israel. And he certainly speaks for how they are going to deal with the land of Israel. Mm. But I don't know that he can speak for all of us. Yeah, I see Medinat Israel as this abstract entity that is is man-created, that is a a human uh, structure. as in contrast to Eretz Israel, which is really the biblical definition of the land, the land as it is granted to certain people by their God, um, and you know, and that it is you know, from the land that you will live. You know, you will live from this land, um, and you know, literally, um, whereas. As has been said before, I mean, Am Yisrael is really anyone who identifies with the Jewish people as a whole, whether wherever they may be, you know, without any spatial constrictions. Other thoughts? Maybe we want to challenge, refine, add, subtract. Yeah, here. So the only thing I would say about the United Israel just in the light of the Shoah, is that it is a refuge for Jews. When there is nowhere else to go, when there is, you know, um, when there is a threat, a physical threat, wherever it may be, um, in the United Israel, the state of Israel is a place to go to that will always accept, you know, Jews into its... Say Medina Israel to the refuge rather than Eretz. 
a good question. Yeah. Um, why Gary Gary made a comment that Medinat Israel, the state of Israel, um, is uh, a, a, a after the Holocaust a modern refuge for Jews in, in peril anywhere. And uh, and and Sheila asked why would you say that about Medinat Yisrael, but not about Eretz Yisrael, right? Why about the state of Israel, but not about the land of Israel? Because the truth of the matter is that, you, you know, before the state of Israel, you could go to the place called Israel or where it was and not have a refuge where you would actually be at risk because I mean, mm. there are actually stories of great rabbis who, you know, made the pilgrimage to Israel and then were killed there, I mean, because of the conditions that they, that they lived in. So it was, it was really, in many ways, the opposite of a refuge, and it's potentially a very dangerous place to be for Jews. Because I remember in my reading either historical fiction or regular you know, things that before, when they were trying to come to Israel, I mean, before, So one can see that the, uh, uh, the the relationship between the terms and the concepts uh, and what they represent are not necessarily self-evident, um, and uh, they're they're somewhat complex and maybe even controversial, right? So um, Am Yisrael, the people of Israel, um, that in itself is uh, is a fairly loaded term and loaded concept, right? So who who fits in? To that uh, that term, right? And who is outside that term? Well, I mean, as some of you know intimately, uh, it depends on on who you largely on who you ask, right? So um, there are uh, people in certain communities within uh, within the uh, largely speaking the Jewish uh, the the worldwide Jewish community who don't necessarily consider other segments of the Jewish community in that broader uh, Am Yisrael, in that broader nation of Israel, um, or the, the people of Israel, right? And the people of Israel theoretically refers to the Jewish people. Remember, if we months and months back, we talked about um, you know, the, the early parts of Jewish history um, and talked about how the term Jewish is actually a fairly recent term, uh, that before there was such a term as Jewish, uh, the, the, the term that most identified, uh, the people who later became Jews was, uh, B'nai Yisrael, right? The children of Israel, um, or the Israelites. It would be the, I guess, the more scholarly way of putting it, right? The Israelites. Uh, and, uh, and when the Israelites, uh, uh, settled in the, um, land of Canaan, the land of Canaan, again, so we'll get to this Eretz Israel, which is also a complex and loaded term, because the Bible itself, or at least let's, let's start, the, the Torah itself um, never uses the term Eretz Israel. 
Why? Because in the Torah's chronology, the B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, didn't live in that Eretz yet, didn't live in that Eretz yet, didn't live in that land. So the land Eretz Israel couldn't be Eretz Israel until there were Israelites living there, right? So, um, so you remember back in our talk of, of early Israelite history, when the uh, children of Israel settled in the land of, of Canaan, um, initially they were sort of uh, just disparate tribes. Um, but eventually they got unified under, uh, under a king. The, most pro- the two most prominent of those kings were David and Solomon. Uh, who were from the tribe of Judah. Um, and after Solomon's death, the, uh, their kingdom split into two. Uh, one was the kingdom of Israel in the north, and one was the kingdom of Judah in the south. Uh, if you look, if you have your uh, course packet with you, look with me, uh, if you will, at the, it's in the, the section of, of this class. Um, so the section of class 17, it's page 8 of that section. Sorry, it's not the section of the last class, because the last class, we're making this the last class. But you guys will see it's a map of, uh, of modern Israel. If you don't have one, you can look on with somebody else. This is a map of modern Israel, so this doesn't really give exactly the contours of what uh, ancient Israel looked like. Um, but uh, you see where Jerusalem is on the map, which is basically in the middle of the country. Draw If you draw like a horizontal line... Uh, uh, from Israel, uh, sorry, uh, across uh, Israel through Jerusalem, uh, the land of Israel through Jerusalem, uh, you, you can see above that line is the northern kingdom of Israel, and below that line is the southern kingdom of, of Judah. In 722 BCE, uh, the Assyrians who came from the north, uh, modern day Lebanon and, and Syria, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, and so there was no more uh, uh, kingdom of Israel, which was basically uh, 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, the other two tribes... Uh, were the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Levi, um, although part of the tribe of Levi is uh, conquered also in the destruction of the northern kingdom, which is where you get the term I've mentioned before, the lost, uh, the lost, well, you have the lost ten tribes of Israel, right? The lost ten tribes of the northern kingdom of Israel that's conquered by the Assyrians. Um, the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, remains in uh, uh, standing for uh, another uh, century and a half until it also is conquered by the Babylonians in 586 BCE. But when the southern kingdom is conquered, uh, the tribes that are there are not lost, or at least not lost completely. Some of the population is uh, taken into captivity back to Babylon. And there they, something really, on some level, miraculous happens. They um, retain a sense of their own identity, their own culture, their own religion, their own traditions, um, and uh, and uh, continue to live it and practice it and hold on to it, um, even in the midst of captivity. So this was a revolutionary thing at the time, uh, because in the ancient world, people's religion was largely tied not to their uh, to their personal identity or their uh, um, uh, or 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 anything like that. It was tied into mainly where you lived and where you were from. And if you got conquered by another people uh, in the ancient world, that was usually a sign that your god was weaker than their god. Well, if you survived, it was a sign that your god was weaker than their god, and uh, and so therefore um, you ought to um, assimilate into the um, into the dominant power that just uh, conquered you, which is probably what happened the lost ten tribes of Israel. They probably, you know, they either died or became Assyrians, right? But that's not what happened at least to the uh, captives who were taken to Babylonia from the, from Judah. They maintained their tradition. Um, and they were called by the Babylonians and, and identified themselves not as, uh, not as Israelites, but as Judites, right? Where, uh, in the Hebrew term would be Yehudim. Right, people from the tribe of Judah, which is uh, which becomes, you know, in in its uh, uh, um, Angla, anglicized, 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 anglicized form, uh, it becomes Judaism. Jews right, are the descendants of the tribe of of Judah. Um, so all that is to say that um, the the term Am Yisrael. Um, 
is never really, I mean, in ancient history, is never a term that's, uh, that's, uh, um, that's largely um, identified with the totality of the Jewish people. Um, it's, it, it's, it's mentioned in the, in the Bible in, in, in a couple of places, but and it's mentioned later in Jewish sources, but it's sort of much more of an idea uh, and on some level like a mythical idea than it is an actual concept. And the actual concept, the reality of who is the Jewish people is, as I was mentioning before, a complex one. There are lots of people who disagree on what makes a person a Jewish person. Right? So I, I mentioned one, but I can give you any number of others. Uh, for example, uh, when the, uh, um, in the uh, latter decades of the Soviet Union, uh, and uh, after the Soviet Union fell, there were all sorts of people who traced their ancestry or claimed to trace their ancestry back to uh, to, to Jews, but had no real way of uh, of, of uh, actually demonstrating that, and absolutely no knowledge of uh, Judaism or Jewish practices or Jewish texts. Um, uh, other than sort of like the the hint of a whisper that they had some kind of Jewish connection in their past, right? So, and many of those people identified themselves as Jews, and many people in the Jewish community identified those people as Jews, and yet many people in the Jewish community had a lot of difficulty identifying those people as Jews. And when there was uh, movements to uh, um, uh, uh, encourage mass uh, emigration from uh, Soviet Jews to, uh, to, to, uh, to what was then, what is now the, the modern state of Israel, what was then to the modern state of Israel, um, many people demanded that they undergo formal conversions to Judaism under rabbinic auspices in order to Demonstrate fully that they were Jewish. The same, a similar thing happened with uh, with with uh, the Ethiopian Jews uh, who eventually came to Israel, and many people didn't. Uh, many people doubted their claims to uh, uh, authentic Jewishness and made them made uh, them go through uh, formal rabbinic conversions. Um, a similar thing happened, and this isn't only an indictment of uh, the Orthodox, it's not really an indictment of anybody, it's just a statement of, of the reality of it. Um, so uh, in my rabbinical school, uh, a couple of years ahead of me was a, a now an, uh, he's then an incredible guy, now he's an incredible rabbi, uh, named Gershom Sizomu, um, who is a part of the Abu Yadaya clan in uh, Uganda. Um, which is a tribe in Uganda that, uh, that, that sees themselves as being Jewish. Um, and so he, uh, um, was, uh, able to, uh, to make his way to America, uh, to go to rabbinical school at a conservative, uh, seminary, no less, and, uh, get ordained as a rabbi to then go back to Uganda and be the, you know, now he's the chief rabbi of Uganda, if such a thing exists. He's the rabbi of his, of the Abu Yadaya tribe. Um, but it, when he went to be installed there, um, Rabbi Artsin, who, um, and maybe you can ask him about this when he's here in April, um, and, and a couple of other rabbis went with him to Uganda, not only to install him as rabbi, but to do a mass conversion of the entire Abu Yadaya tribe under the auspices of, of, you know, um, of the, you know, chief council of, a, of, a, of American conservative Judaism. Um, now, were those people not Jewish before they got Rabbi Artsin's seal of approval? I don't know. You have to ask Rabbi Artsin that question, right? Um, right but so but that's why the term Am Yisrael is really fraught. Right? There are people who live in uh, um, what's, uh, what's, what's now called the West Bank uh, um, uh, near Mount Grizim. Uh, who, um, who, who call themselves Samaritans. Um, and Samaritans practice, uh, many of the rituals that are found in the, in the Bible, uh, fairly literally. Um, and, uh, and so in terms of practice, uh, they don't really look, uh, they don't practice like modern Jews do, rabbinic Jews do, uh, but they practice from the Jewish Bible. So are they Jews or are they not Jews? 
What about our friends down the street who are uh, who are in uh, whatever that uh, yeah that, that, what is that temple called? Tikvat Israel. Tikvat Israel. Israel. Right. Okay. Right. So um, right. Who, if you ask them, or at least some of them there, are you are you Jewish? Right. They would probably say yes. Right. Most of them would probably they've got sixty or seventy percent is one parent Jewish. Yes. So. At least one person in almost all marriages would get a yes from. Yeah. So, and if you and if you ask the uh, um, institutional Jewish community, are they part of Am Yisrael? They you probably get a, a fairly large uh, no from uh, from many people, at least for most of them. Uh, and the ones who might have the last few survey. Well, right. So that's an interesting point, right? So the last few survey is a really right is a really good example. It's the last the Pew study this is not the last one; it's the only one um, of the of the Jewish population. But the, I don't remember what percentage. It was of some high percentage, yeah, thirty something percent of uh, when they asked, when they pulled um, the American Jewish community and said, "Is belief in Jesus um, a belief that's compatible with Judaism?" Thirty percent said, "Yeah." Thirty plus percent said, "Yes." Right now, if you're a Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, you might think that you're Jewish, but there might be other Jews who disagree. So anyway, so, the, so all I'm saying is that the the idea Am Yisrael is um, is really complex, and so when we get to this I, this question of okay, well maybe not Yisrael, the state of Israel, the modern state of Israel is a refuge for Am Yisrael. Well, who counts as Am Yisrael that gets to take advantage of the refuge? Right? That's a, an interesting question. Eretz Yisrael is another interesting topic. Like I mentioned before, nowhere in the Torah, at least, um, is the term Eretz Yisrael mentioned because the land at that time did not belong to um, the people of Israel, although um, in the book of Genesis, uh, um, uh, God promises the land as um, an inheritance to Abraham um, and Abraham's children. Um, now, whether or not uh, the God's promise recorded in Genesis um, is um, a, a sufficient uh, claim on the land in the court of international opinion um, is a, 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 a different kind of question. But let's just take the let's just take the, the biblical account um, as it is. Right, it's promised to Abraham um, and his and his children, but uh, Abraham and uh, Abraham's descendants live there on and off over the course of a couple of generations, and then spend uh, several hundred years. Um, in slavery in Egypt before eventually being redeemed uh, and wandering in the desert for 40 more years and then entering the land of Israel um, where they are relatively um, unwelcome uh, co-inhabitants of the land with the other uh, native populations. Um, So it's an interesting thing to call it Eretz Yisrael uh, because there was never really a time uh, when A, uh, the only people living in that Eretz, in that land, were Israelites. Um, and B, there was only a very small window of time, uh, when, um, when the, when the Israelites had political sovereignty over that land. What's even more complex about it is that, uh, the Bible has uh, different definitions in different places about the boundaries of what that land of Israel should look like, right? So in some places, that land of Israel stretches uh, from, uh, the, uh, from the Nile to the, uh, to the Euphrates, right? Um, if you can picture that geographic uh, swath of land. Um, you know, in, in some, it, it uh, relatively mirrors the contours of the modern-day state of Israel. In others, it expands further into the, uh, into the east, uh, we can't really expand much further into the west because that's the ocean. Um, right? And some, give them time. <laughs> give them time. God, God forbid. Um, uh, right? And some it expands for. I, I, I didn't mean the Arab way. I meant building out. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, Israeli ingenuity, startup nation. Yes. They, they will eventually get there, right? Um, so, uh, or under underwater uh, civilization. So, anyway. Um, uh, but you can see, even when there was political sovereignty of the Israelites in the land of Israel, which again, the land of Israel is a sort of fluid term. We don't know exactly what the boundaries of that are supposed to be, uh, because it's in, it's mentioned different ways in different places. Um, 
there were all sorts of other competing claims to the land too, right? And so from our perspective, from, from the Jewish perspective, we read our, our Torah, it says God promised it to us, right? But imagine if the Bible was written from the Philistine perspective, right? Um, who's to say that the Philistines didn't have an equally valid claim to the land of Israel and saw the Jews, who they ended up fighting many wars against, um, at, or not that they weren't Jews then, obviously, the Israelites who they were fighting many wars against, um, as, uh, um, as uh, um, invasive uh, population on, on their land that they were trying desperately to get rid of. Right? Um, and you have that all over uh, the, uh, um, the, the, the Bible, where even when there's Israelite sovereignty over the land, there are all sorts of competing claims to the land. Different tribes of Canaanites, um, uh, different international populations, Philistines, Egyptians, uh, uh, Assyrians, Babylonians, um, uh, all uh, seeing uh, that piece of land as... Um, if not rightfully theirs, uh, theirs for the taking. Um, so Eretz Yisrael is a complex uh, is a complex term, uh, and yeah. When I think of Eretz Yisrael, I tend to think of it as more modern, like first Aliyah, second Aliyah, the issues, the settlements, and it's also a romantic uh, mm. concept in some way, but a reality. Right. So you're, you're right. I mean, so it's the same with Am Yisrael too. I think they, these are kind of romantic concepts um, that uh, um, you know, it's it's all like saying, okay, so what's the what are the borders of Eretz Yisrael? That's like saying, you know, what's two plus two? Purple, right? Um, right? Because it's not it's not meant to be a a, a defined logical concept. It's an ideal concept. Um, so I, I think that that's that's a, a good point. The same with Am Yisrael. Medinah Yisrael, on the other hand. Um, uh, and some people uh, uh, put it this way, and I think that that's fair, um, is a little bit more of a structured term, because it refers to, uh, if not necessarily a, a, a particular defined uh, piece of land, um, it refers to um, a, a, a political, like a, a government, political sovereignty over a certain geography. Right, so a certain, right, that's what a state is, right? It's political sovereignty over a specific geography, right? So um, now we'll talk about this in, in just a few moments, right? Um, uh, in the in the days before, in the, not the days, but the decades and years before um, the uh, um, uh, the founding of the modern state of Israel, uh, there were all sorts of uh, debates um, about uh, about. If there was going to be a Jewish state, where would the Jewish state be? And it wasn't um, a foregone conclusion that the Jewish state would be where the modern state of Israel is and where the ancient um, uh, uh, kingdoms of Israel were. Um, uh, so the, 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 the reality is that Medinat Yisrael, a state of Israel, uh, um, could be theoretically over... Uh, potentially any particular piece of, of geography. But in a more specific sense, right, when we say Medinah Israel, the state of Israel, it ref- we were, we, I think most of us uh, take it to refer to the actual entity that currently exists, that exists today, um, that's, that's uh, the, the sovereign Jewish state of, uh, of Israel, um, uh, that is in at least part of what is usually identified as Eretz Yisrael, um, and that um, uh, uh, um, is of, by, and for Am Yisrael, right? Um, however defined. Okay. Um, so let me just pause there. Any comments, questions on that so far? Okay. All right, so let's let's go back to the um, ancient narrative for a second. So I, I mentioned so something um, unprecedented happened in really I think in world history when the um, uh, uh, people of Judah were taken into uh, captivity in Babylon, uh, and in that they retained their own sense of identity and culture and and tradition uh, and maintained uh, Jewish texts and practices. Um, even in the absence of their land and uh, and temple, uh, and that, if you recall, um, was uh, the origin of uh, what we called uh, the diaspora. 
the term in Hebrew is galut, um, and galut literally actually kind of means exile. Uh, and so in that context, they saw themselves as exiles from Jerusalem and Judah. Uh, today, the term we use is, in English is diaspora, not exile. Exile has a very theological connotation, right? That, uh, that you know, uh, we say it actually in our liturgy on the, on the festival days. Because of our sins, we were exiled from our land. And only after doing uh, repentance um, and, uh, and, and returning to uh, uh, good Jewish lives, uh, we'll be re- we will be restored to our national homeland uh, in the Messianic era. So the idea of galut, of exile, um, which some people in the Jewish community still um, uh, still see us uh, as, as being in that state, um, the uh, um, uh, exile means we were forcibly removed from the land that we wanted to be in, um, and uh, um, either by... Or, or by a combination thereof, of a political entity who kicked us out, or by God who wanted us out, or by God utilizing the political entity to kick us out, which is what um, uh, is, uh, in, in, in talking about the Babylonian, impending Babylonian assault um, in the prophets, um, it says that, uh, that, uh, that the Babylonians are the, are the rod of God's anger against the Jewish people. So um, the uh, the more polite term, the kinder term is the diaspora, right? So there's a dispersion of Jews from uh, our uh, natural center, which is uh, the land of Israel. Although even that carries with it the the um, uh, the real sense that um, that in the Jewish consciousness, uh, the the rightful place of the Jewish people is in the is in Eretz Israel, is in the land of Israel. Not necessarily in Medinat Israel, not necessarily in the state of Israel. Remember these are two different things, but in the in the land of Israel. Where we naturally belong is in the land of Israel. Now, again, there have been plenty of times in Jewish history, even you know, before the uh um the kingdoms of Israel, before the where where there were Israelites, there were uh, that we're not living in the in the land of Israel. I do like what Carla said that uh, that uh, that the land is offered to uh, Abraham, and then later to Abraham's descendants, um, uh, and in particular the freed slaves from Egypt, as um, the um, as as the as the place in which the the soil in which they could uh, live out. Uh, the society and values that they were being invited to in the covenant with God, right? So you need um, the, the the covenant with God is supposed to be lived and breathed and worked and uh, and and in every aspect of of human existence, which requires um, a civilization, requires a community, requires society, and which requires land. Right? And so um, so the the Torah itself. Uh, doesn't just say, okay, now go and do these commandments and do them wherever the heck you feel like doing them. Although some things obviously you can do wherever, but it ties a significant portion of the commandments uh, to um, to a specific geography. So in the Jewish consciousness, the land of Israel is central to what it means to be Jewish. It's the place, at least in the biblical sense of things, where uh, the only place where one can be most fully Jewish. Um, at least in the sense of it's the only place where one can even theoretically fulfill all the commandments in the Torah, right? Now, to, to fulfill all the commandments in the Torah, you need not only to be in the land of Israel, but you also need um, a, uh, a an, an officially sanctioned temple in Jerusalem and a functioning priesthood. And um, yeah. I, I still have a feeling we're going to miss a few. I did this with a friend. Um, you've got men who are Kohanim and women who go to mikvah. I yeah. don't think any one person can do all of them. Oh right, fine. I understand. I understand I that. Him on that and he looked at me and he said, "Got me." Got right, me. I understand. So what, I don't mean any one individual can can uh, fulfill yeah. all of the commandments. But I mean the the Jewish, um, the, yeah, the the Jews as a people could theoretically fulfill all the commandments. Um, uh, but it's also, I mean, you know, uh, it, it, one struggles to think of another uh, national entity. That is not deeply tied into um, a particular geography, 
Right? So don't think about religions for a second, because Judaism is not just a religion. Right? Judaism is, uh, um, is a tribe, it's an ethnicity, a nationality. So I use the term Am Yisrael, which literally means nation of Israel. Religion is a feature of, uh, of, of Jewish life, but is not the totality of it. Right, so yeah, so okay, so you know, you could be a Christian uh, who's an Iraqi and who's a, an Egyptian and who's an American, but um, uh, but and you can be an American who is living abroad, but your identity still as an American living abroad is tied into the land from which you came, right? So it's the same thing with uh, with with the Jewish people historically. Our identity is uh, our, our sense of where we come from, whether that's mythologically or literally, our sense of where we come from is the land of Israel. Um, Shai Agnon, who was uh, um, a, a famous Israeli author, um, uh, I think the only uh, Israeli author to ever win the Nobel Prize for Literature, um, was asked by the, uh, is reported to have been asked by the, uh, by the king of uh, Sweden when he was uh, there to receive his Nobel Prize. Um, uh, he was asked, you know, where, where, are you, where were you born? Um, and, uh, and he said, well, um, I was born in Galicia, but like all Jews, I'm from Jerusalem. Right? That's the consciousness of uh, of the Jewish people, and so when we say that there was a that there there is there was is a diaspora, right? Even that polite term, we're just dispersed in different places, but all of that harkens back to the place that there's a place from which we're dispersed. There's a place we're dispersed from, right? Um, which is uh, the the land of Israel. In going back to that ancient history, um, in uh, um, in the year five thirty eight. Uh, the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and King Cyrus, uh, the great of Persia, um, allowed the Jewish uh, exiles, the Judite exiles who wanted to, to return to Jerusalem and rebuild uh, their uh, um, settlement there and to also rebuild their temple if they wanted to. Uh, some did, some didn't. Okay? The ones who didn't uh, remain to this day um, a, uh, um, a, a, a the origins of, uh, of of an ongoing diaspora, right? And so, the, in part, the the um, the people who stayed in Persia are talked about in the Purim story, you know, for example. Um, uh, Persia is an interesting thing because you know, in, in all of the heated rhetoric about Iran, um, what gets lost in the conversation is that uh, um, one of the world's uh, longest continuous uh, Jewish communities uh, lives in Persia. Um, and I don't want to get into like the political conversation, although I think it's it's a, a, um, a, a um, an interesting thing to ponder. Um, someone uh, wrote uh, as a Facebook post uh, that I saw during the whole you know kerfuffle over Netanyahu's speech in Congress and said, um, if the Iranian regime was so was was actually bent on killing Jews. Why wouldn't they start with the sizable Jewish population in Iran? Um, yes. Uh, last night on um, Comcast Channel Twenty Four was a wonderful show, and they interviewed a lot of Iranian Jews, and they talked about what happened to them after the Shah was thrown, mm-hmm. how they were thrown out of the country. Mm. A few stayed behind. Most of them came to the United States. Yeah. And uh, it's a four DVD, four DVD series that if you just give seventy two dollars, you can get. It. It's a wonderful series. So it's a, it's, I, I hear you. It's a complex thing though because, um, one wonders whether those people were treated that way because they were Jews or because they were supporters of the Shah. Um, and. Probably both. Yeah. Because they were business people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a huge community of them. If you go out to LA. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. Well, you're from LA, so you not originally, but I, but uh, there's a huge Jewish community there. I mean, a huge Iranian community there, and and or Persian community, I should say, uh, in uh, uh, in New York too, especially in Great Neck, Long Island. Uh, um, they they call it Little Tehran. Um, in the Jersey Shore. In the Jersey Shore too. Okay. Um, anyway, um, that's a little bit neither here nor there. Um, but so there. Um, 
at, at that point, the Jewish community splits. So a Jewish community that uh, lives in the land of Israel and a Jewish community that doesn't live in the land of Israel. Um, the Jewish community that doesn't live in the land of Israel, the diaspora community or the exile community, depending on how you put it in it, continue to, uh, to live and uh, sometimes thrive, sometimes not thrive, but uh, continue to um, uh, sprout communities you know, all over the known world at the time. Uh, and, uh, um, and a Jewish community grows and begins to thrive also in, in the, in the land of, uh, of, uh, of Israel, um, uh, in particular around Jerusalem. Um, fast forward to, um, to the Roman period when that second temple, which was built by those returning, um, uh, captives, when the second temple was destroyed by the Romans in, in 70 CE, um, and, uh, and, and following that, um, many decades of, uh, of, of, uh, of difficulty and persecution, uh, by the, by the Romans on the Jewish population, um, which ultimately results in, um, a, uh, a larger, um, uh, uh, expulsion or diaspora of Jews from the land of Israel. So there, uh, even after that period, there remain Jews who live in the land of Israel, although uh, primarily not in Jerusalem. In other in other areas, Jerusalem was um, was was a third rail to the Romans uh, for Jews to live there. Um, uh, but Jews, uh, Jewish communities sprout all over the world. Uh, but there are still Jews who live in um, in in Jerusalem in, in in the land of Israel. But an an amazing thing happens at that time that didn't even really happen in the first exile, in the first diaspora. Um, Judaism has a radical shift <clears throat> away from being a, uh, a sacrificial temple, ritualistic cult centered um, around a temple in Jerusalem um, to a, uh, a portable religion. Uh, centered around uh, uh, Torah study and the performance of the commandments um, and um, verbal worship, um, which was a relatively novel innovation at the time, uh, but enabled Judaism to flourish and prosper uh, all over the world without re- requiring um, a central shrine in Jerusalem. One of the major shifts there, though, was... Um, not only to, to change Jewish practice to, to study comm- performance of commandments and prayer, <clears throat> but to embed in the Jewish consciousness um, a, 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 a yearning, a longing to eventually return to Jerusalem, but project it out into the future. For the exiles who were first exiled to Babylonia um, in 586, what they thought was, okay, eventually we're going to be able to reestablish, rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, maybe not reestablish sovereignty, but rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. For the um, <clears throat> for the uh, Jews who were um, exiled uh, um, in the uh, first and second centuries of the Common Era, um, they no longer thought that that was either A, a legitimate possibility of being able to return and rebuild, um, or B, a desirable possibility, right? And you can define desirable however you want, right? There were probably some who thought that maybe it was a good thing that we didn't have a sacrificial cult anymore. And there were probably some who said desirable in the sense of um, this is clearly what God wants, and until such time as God tells us it's time to come back and rebuild the temple or rebuild the temple for us, um, it's not time to come back. And so we, we, we've talked about this before. There was a, um, uh, this isn't the exact origins of the, um, of the concept of Mashiach, the concept of Messiah. Um, but it was certainly a moment in which the concept was crystallized and projected outward. Previously, the concept of Mashiach was um, not so grandiose. Mashiach literally means anointed, and anointing was what you did when you installed a new king. Right? So Melech HaMashiach was the, the, the rightful heir to the throne of David would eventually be reinstalled and we would have um, uh, Jewish political sovereignty in the land of Israel. We wouldn't have to worry about the Babylonians anymore. But as that idea got uh, more and more removed from people's reality, the concept of Mashiach gets uh, 
more and more, I like the term you used, romanticized. Um, it becomes much more of an ideal and much less of a, of a real concept. So instead of being um, a, a, a flesh and blood king who would come and and uh, um, and, uh, um, and be reinstated into the throne of David, um, it then becomes a, a flesh and blood king who will uh, over uh, overthrow the dominant powers um, who were controlling the land of Israel and reestablish Jewish sovereignty, and eventually it becomes um, a, a a person who will come and sort of overflow the uh, overthrow the natural state of the world um, and uh, and and uh, return it to a perfected state, um, and it eventually becomes a more ethereal concept um, of a of a, 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 of a divine being or even a divinely instated human being um, who would preside over um, a a. a a perfected world that was under the direct sovereignty of uh, of, of heaven, um, which you know we use the term tikkun olam a lot in the Jewish tradition, but the term originally comes letakin olam b'machut shaddai. We say that in the Alenu prayer um, uh, multiple times a day, um, and letakin olam b'machut shaddai literally means. To, uh, to, to repair the world or to restore the world under the uh, sovereignty of God, right? So it's projecting out to a, uh, a distant, maybe even mythical future um, in which the current state of affairs is going to be changed and, and God will rule directly. The, um, the exiles, the diaspora, will be gathered up from the four corners of the earth. We say that uh, also in our, in our liturgy. Um, uh, um, the Havienu Lishalom me Arba Kamfotaaretz, and God will gather us in peace from the four quarters of the earth. The Havienu Komiut Leratzenu, and bring us um, uh, all together into our land. Right. Um, so we say that before the Shema each and every day. Uh, the idea that eventually um, there's going to be this uh, this this major theological uh, metaphysical event. Um, that's going to uh, uh, either call for all of the exiles to return to the land of Israel, and there's going to be some kind of, you know, uh, Google alert that's going to tell us the Messiah has come, we get to all go back to Israel, um, or um, the, you know, the the sense of that Hebrew that I just uh, uh, cited is, is is a little bit more literal. God will, like, literally pluck us up from uh, from. Uh, you know the Gallus of Richmond, um, and uh, and you know and Mexico and California and China, and bring us all to the land of Israel. There will need to be a lot of high buildings, or or those you know apartments under underneath the Mediterranean that we're in the process of apparently, um, right? So so yeah, please. Mm. Right. It is quantum. Right. Right. So <coughs> will be Israel. Right. So, and I think that that's a, a beautiful concept, and there and there are traditions like that uh, in in Judaism, which is. Why it's, it's you know I, I love what Sheila said about Eretz Yisrael as a romantic concept that it, it isn't necessarily defined by specific borders. Right? It's um, it's a it's a um, it's a spiritual geography, right? It's a it's a state of affairs. Um, so uh, I, I I think that 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 um, uh, certainly a um, a thread of the tradition that that offers that. But there are other threads of the tradition that say no. We're talking about you know God's going to bring from the four corners of earth to the land of Israel. He means he means we're going to go to Eilat, right? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a a, a, a Messiah party in Beersheba, right? Yeah, such as that would be, fun time. right? Fun times. If you've ever been to Beersheba, you know it's probably not the yeah. Uh-huh. If the temple were rebuilt, would you be required to go back? Uh, so um, it is a little bit. I mean. Um, yeah. No. So, um, listen. There are. Uh, it probably doesn't surprise you to hear there are there are lots of different viewpoints within the Jewish tradition on this question. I mean, the truth is, no one knows uh, because it hasn't happened. Um, uh, but uh, if the temple is rebuilt, 
uh, and uh, Jews are brought back to the land of Israel, um, uh, uh, and the you know the, what what we're governed with at that point is you know biblical law, right? Is Torah law, right? We're kind of like un, unadulterated. Uh, then yes, Jews would be required to sacrifice in the temple. Um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's hard to get out of my reality to know. So, like, I ask myself, like, okay, required or else what, right? Um, and, uh, you know, in ancient Israel, required or else meant, you know, could mean lashes and things like that. I don't know. That doesn't seem like my Messiah pictured, but the, that required, that involved lashes and things like that. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so that's a possibility. I mean, uh, Maimonides, as uh, one example, who was a great, Jewish philosopher and uh, thinker in the uh, um, in the 11th century uh, said that um, uh, the development of uh, verbal prayer um, was a spiritual progression from sacrifice in the temple, um, and left I think open the question about whether or not uh, there would be. Um, uh, um, worship in, if there was a rebuilt third temple, if there would be worship in that temple in the same way that there was when there was a second temple, right? With, with animal sacrifice and things like that. Um, so it's a, it's, it's, um, it's only a loaded question insofar as like no one can really know the answer to the question. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, on, on, a, on a certain sense, like one's, uh, conception of, um, of what the messianic era is, it w- will be like, um, is, uh, um, you know, says a lot more about uh, who that person is and what their orientation is than uh, about an actual reality of which no one really can possibly predict. Um, if it if it's uh, you know a, a real thing at all, right? Which is uh, obviously an open question. But the um, uh, but for for you know many many centuries, uh, 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 Jews viewed that idea. Quite literally, that um, uh, that eventually there would be um, uh, 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 that we were first of all that we were um, uh, kicked out of the land of Israel uh, deliberately. Right? It was a consequence of our wrongdoings as a as a as a people, uh, and that um, therefore um, we are not allowed back into the land of to resettle the land of Israel. Um, until uh, we are directly told by God that we are to resettle the land of Israel. Right? Until we get that Google alert, we're not to resettle the land of Israel. Um, other uh, people in the tradition had, us, had a different view uh, that we couldn't reestablish uh, Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel without there being a messianic era, but Jews are more welcome and maybe even encouraged to go and live in the land of Israel because there's something sanctified about living in the land of Israel. Um, and there were yet other Jews who yearned, uh, even if it was in private, to, uh, to, on their own volition, reinstate uh, Jewish political sovereignty in, in the land of Israel.